This is Evan Herschelman, and you're listening to All Strings Considered. Hey everyone, and welcome back to All Strings Considered. I'm your host, Scott Wolf, and today we're going to hear some highly original playing and compositions from Evan Herschelman. All Strings Considered is brought to you in part by Guitar Salon International, the world's largest selection of fine classical and flamenco guitars and accessories. All Strings Considered is a great place to advertise your upcoming festival, your new CD or website, or some other music-related product. Maybe it's something really cool that I don't even know about, you know? Email info at scottwolfguitar.com for rates. So, Evan Herschelman has a really original book out titled Acoustic Artistry. The book Acoustic Artistry is a quasi-method. Which focuses on slapping and tapping and other percussive techniques on the classical guitar. By way of example, we'll be hearing Evan's homage to steel string, finger-style guitarist Michael Hedges, and how that piece paved the way for Evan to write another Hedges-influenced work for the LA Guitar Quartet's Grammy-winning album, Guitar Heroes. We'll also be talking with Evan about his compositional style and process, his upcoming technique book. He'll speak on finding an original voice as an interpreter. We'll of course hear lots of Evan's great music, but let's start with acoustic artistry. Okay, what it's, made you want to do a book on? Well, there's there is no. I could not find any publication that went over it in the detail that would benefit myself. Mm-hmm. And I know this is what I would have wanted when I was first starting out with the techniques. Yeah. Everything's very progressive in the book. There's a lot of detail. There's a lot of nuance of all the techniques, which I find most of the reading material I've read in the past does not go over. So, for example, in the tapping, I talk about different parts of your flesh. Yeah. What part of the finger to hit on the string and how that affects the timbre. Right. How you can adjust articulations. And same thing in the slapping. Yeah. Same thing in the percussion, and in the percussion chapter, I studied for a while with a, a great percussionist who's he's studied classical, popular music to a lot of ethnic styles. Who was it? Um, his name is T.J. Troy. So I mean, I'll use examples from hand percussion, how you know dividing the hand into different parts, like a tabla player, for example. Right. This little excerpt you've been hearing is called the funk slap etude. Yeah, <laughs> that was a fun one. This this is a nice ripping lick. You know, I've had numerous people tell me when I do some of the slapping stuff that it reminds them of Primus. I love Primus. I know, this clip was great. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> one of the things I try to do a little differently than other guitarists who use the technique would be I try to take a classical sensibility to it. And what I mean by that is when I tap, I think about the timbre I'm getting, what part of the flesh on the finger I'm using, the type of accentuation that it produces. Uh-huh. And I try to vary it and I try to orchestrate it in my compositions. What I mean by that is I might start off using more flesh on a bass string and playing really quietly, making a more tenuto attack. Uh-huh. And then I will crescendo it up and maybe use a harder part of a callus on my right hand or, or change the motion to produce a more accentuated attack. 
I think what Evan's saying here is that his approach to tapping is not treating it as a special effect, but rather treating it like any other technique we would use on the guitar. So, for instance, with a more typical technique like a rest stroke, we practice to be able to play that stroke with a variety of dynamics. We want to be able to play it soft, loud, medium volume. We also want to be able to vary our articulation, be it staccato, legato, whatever. We want to have complete control over the techniques we use so that our music can be as expressive as possible. Now Evan expands his palette to include techniques like slapping and tapping, and in his book aims to give us that same control over these lesser known uses of our instrument. Now in his book, he often uses excerpts from his piece Homage to Michael Hedges, teaching the students sections of that work in order to help us practice those ideas. So, in order to hear some of this in action, I'll have Evan introduce the piece. Well, I wrote the piece after he passed away, and I was influenced him highly, especially as a teenager. I heard him play live probably half a dozen times, and his style of playing, but more so his compositional style, influenced me. And so, I wrote this piece to pay homage, you know, to a major influence in my life. His compositional style varies a lot. He was categorized in the new age genre, which I don't think is fair to him. He was formally trained at the Peabody Conservatory, started in classical guitar, and actually was a student with David Tannenbaum and whoever else was there at the time. I read in an interview with Tannenbaum that Michael was not the best player in the program and they kind of looked down at him. Mm. And he then switched his major to electronic music. And then, of course, made his career in playing acoustic guitar, steel string, that is. And his style of writing varies. He has a lot of lyricism in his music, which I'm attracted to. And besides that, there's virtuosity, especially in his tapping, slapping, and percussive aspects. There's no question uh, I consider composition a big part of my musical life. If Maybe it's more important than my actual performing, even though I love performing. I wouldn't choose one over the other, I'd want to do both. The enjoyment you get from playing your own compositions and having your own voice in both regards, technically and musically, is fulfilling. My program changes where I, you know, I have certain favorites in traditional classical guitar repertoire. If you want to call it traditional, I don't know. Piazzolla or Albanas or Barrios or Henza. So it, it varies. Or Giuliani. I mean, the one I played a long time ago, which I would keep in my program uh, uh -huh. back then, was the Grand Overture, which is a fun one for us guitarists. You know, it's kind of a guitar geek it's here, composition. It? It's not on there, unfortunately. It, oh, is in the, it is in the next book, though. Oh, is it? Yes. That's kind of more of a guitar geek fun. I don't know musically if it's the most, you know, inventive composition, but it's definitely fun. You know, and I think it depends on the player and, and the voice they have and if they're able to pull it off or not. Mm-hmm. You know, so. sometimes uh, you get virtuosic players who only show that aspect in the composition. Sometimes you get people who maybe delve too much. It's a little esoteric. You, you get extremes in classical guitar, which is good, by the way. When a composer creates an homage to another composer, they will frequently quote a melody or a rhythm from a favorite work. So I asked Evan if he honored Hedges in this way in his piece as well. Boom, boom, boom measure 123 uh -huh. 
-huh. They have this bass line moving there, uh -huh. which is an imitation of the rhythm in Aerial Boundaries, oh, okay. the composition by Hedges. So here's how Evan expresses that rhythm in his piece. Probably halfway through the piece is when a, a whole section starts of tapping. I have a nice metric modulation, some nice technical stuff for musicians to get into, and then I get into tapping. And, and then I go into a more polyphonic style of tapping where you've got melody accompaniment. This burst here is more reminiscent of tapping on electric guitar, uh. which I did as an uh, early teen. So we have this lyrical part before it, and it starts building up, and then we have the nice rock out section. There, I've got a lot of hammer-ons from nowhere. And what I mean by that is a lot of left-hand hammer-ons without the right-hand plucking, which gives a different type of accent than when you pluck. Mm -hmm. So it becomes much more heavily rhythmic and intense. You'll find a real mixture of influences in my compositions. So when I do glissandi, a lot of times you hear that not only in metal music, but you hear it in piazzolla all over the place. And I find lots of similarities in whatever style it is of music I like. and try to put that in my own music, mm. whatever that is. Mm -hmm. All right, so here's Evan Herschelman's homage to Michael Hedges from his CD, Water in Darkness.
I played in a departmental concert at USC when I was a student, a master's student there. Mm-hmm. And in the audience, there were some guest artists at the time there. So there was, it was kind of intimidating because um, you have the whole USC faculty, which was you know, uh, Scott Tennant, Bill Kanegeiser, Brian Hedge, Jim Smith. And I think Ben Verdery was there. And I'm, I don't remember who else, but a, a lot of great guitarists. And this was my first semester there and they asked me to play a solo piece. And I played this homage to Michael Hedges. One of the great things about being a student there was they were very supportive of me as a composer. Built up some confidence in mm-hmm. it too. It, it definitely helped. Mm-hmm. And so I played this piece, the homage to Michael Hedges, in this concert. And and a few months after that, I remember getting a call from Scott Tennant asking me if I, I would consider a commission for the quartet to write a piece for them. And that's how it started. After getting this commission for a Michael Hedges-based piece for the Los Angeles Guitar Quartet, I asked Evan how he goes about then composing that piece. It varies. Even the process varies how I start. If I have a commission with a specific requirement in mind, mm-hmm. I'm probably starting with that requirement. So, for example, um, I was recently asked to write an etude for a friend of mine mm-hmm. who's doing a publication. and one in an arpeggio piece. Like most of us classical guitarists, I've gone through the Giuliani, 120 studies, mm-hmm. and I thought I would take some of these patterns and make a composition out of them and, and add embellishments and vary it, of course. So the starting point might be, I like this particular variation. Then what are my harmonic choices within the confines of what I should do? You know, Maybe the limit is reading up to the fifth position or something uh-huh. like that. Uh-huh. So if I have an etude, for example, that's a place I would start. But ultimately, I have to come up with something that's interesting to me, at least. Even if it's very simple, it needs to have something that grabs you. Yes, somewhere. And that doesn't have to... That could be anything. It, does, it could be a rhythm, it could be a melody, it could be harmony. That quality can vary from piece to piece. Often when I compose, I listen to a lot of other music. Huh. Ever since I got an audiophile system at home, instead of just listening to music in the car, you know, from gig to gig, now I actually go home and make it a point to listen to music for sure a few times a week, if not more than that, if not every day. Mm. And I just sit down in my chair and listen to music. And it's helped me, helped inspire me Mm. to compose more music. So here's Evan's composition, Lament and Wake, played by the Los Angeles Guitar Quartet on their album, Guitar Heroes.
One thing I like to take advantage of as a composer when I write for classical guitar, there are certain idiomatic things that we can do that other instruments can't do, or at least as well. And one of those is the decrescendo. We could really do a decrescendo down to nothing and make it long. The intimacy of the classical guitar allows us to do decrescendos fully, which a lot of other instruments can't do. Think of a piano. Their quietest is probably mezzo forte for us, you know? Right, right. So, I, well, I've heard actually that one of the ways that pianists actually judge each other is how quiet you can play and still be clear. That because because that's so difficult on a piano. Right. For us, I mean, there is a difficulty of clarity too when we get quiet. I mean, it takes some skill to play quiet, but we can certainly get to a, a quieter dynamic and still retain that. And it's such a powerful effect to do that. Yeah. You know, you could be very dramatic with that. Another thing you mentioned, pianists judging each other on that. I've heard drummers do the same. Where, you know, especially on drum set in, in the jazz world, mm -hmm. where, you know, certain drummers who can play extremely virtuosically and quickly at a very quiet level mm -hmm. and control the timbre at the same time. I'm really liking Evan's compositions, so I'm going to stick with his music for another piece before we move on to some 20th century music from Steve Reich and Hans Werner Henze. This next piece is the opening track on Evan's CD and is titled Pace and Approach. Pace and Approach started with the simple melody I wrote, and then I started writing variations on it. They're, my ideas are very personal, and people hear it differently and all that, and so my titles are somewhat subjective. Yeah, it's, uh -huh. it's open to interpretation, which I like. Yeah. So, which is one reason I love instrumental music so much, by the way. Everyone hears it differently, and that's, to me, a really inter an interesting quality you don't get with a lot of other art, necessarily. It starts with the simple melody, and then I start doing a lot of variations on that melody. I normally, even in my concerts, I speak very little about my compositions. I'll say what influenced it or whatever, and then mm -hmm. I just play it. There's a lot of coloration within this. I try to use a lot of timbre colors and orchestrate the piece with dynamics. Mm -hmm. So the, the colors and the dynamics are as important as the harmonic material.
a huge fan of the music of Steve Reich. And though this next piece is originally titled Nagoya Marimbas and written for marimbas, it's become somewhat of an underground hit as a guitar duet. Evan recorded this piece with our teacher and friend, Scott Tennant. So you recorded that with Scott? I did. How much did you have to beg? How much did I have to beg? (laughs) I begged and begged and finally I annoyed him enough. So I've been a fan for a long time of Steve Reich's music. Uh And the first piece I heard by him, like most guitarists, was Electric Counterpoint. It's a great one. And then I heard music for 18 musicians and so many great works by him. And his music has definitely been highly influential on me. Along with Hedges, along with Henza, along with Piazzolla, along with the type of minimalism that I really love is more of what they call a postmodern style of minimalism, meaning um, it's maybe not the bare bones version of minimalism. So there might be a larger orchestration, there might be more harmonic content, more rhythmic polyphonic content involved in it, and to me is more interesting. And one of my favorite works is music for a large ensemble, uh, especially the ECM version, recorded in the late 70s, I believe. Mm. And besides the harmony and melodies and rhythm being so interesting, there's aspects like the trumpets in there where they do these long crescendos and decrescendos. I recorded Nagoya guitars with Scott live in the studio. And I remember he was at the time he had a Domin guitar and I had a fan brace guitar at the time, which was a David Daly. And I remember being next to an instrument that was so rich and boomy and mine being a different type. Well, I'd say more balanced, a different type of sound. Uh-huh. And I remember playing so tosto and trying to warm up my sound as much as possible next to the Domin, which was twice as loud. And, and twice as warm, I guess. And twice, four <laughs> times warmer. I mean, it's all warm. Both beautiful instruments, but um, different, quite different. Yeah. But we made it work. I'm happy with the outcome. Mm. We recorded that in one day. It was pretty quick. Less than one day. I mean, it was a couple hours or something like that. It went by quickly. We're going to have the first two of Henza's Dry Tentos serve as a prelude to Reich's Nagoya guitars. One of the things I always loved about Dry Tentos was it, it's quasi-atonal, but it's also so lyrical at the same time. And that lyricism mixed with the, his language, I find so beautiful and different. His lyrical style of writing is so moving to me. Most atonal music I don't like. And to find a piece within that style that moves me a lot is odd for me. Yeah. So this is one of those pieces, which is why I wanted to use my voice to express it. I only play music that I have a personal relationship with. Otherwise, I won't play it. There's no reason for me to play repertoire that someone could express much better than me. I have to believe that I have something unique to offer. Otherwise, I won't do it. There's, of course, exceptions. Something's just fun and I want to play because it's fun and it doesn't matter. But that's still a connection. But that's still a connection, right. But the primary goal is to be unique and different, but have substance behind it, not just trying to be different for the sake of it. And this is a thin line between great art and not. And I think we're all on that journey to find that spot, I hope. Yeah. I like that idea of like, you know, during school, you got to learn a little bit of everything. Right. Whether or not you like it. But the important thing I think about education is being forced to do things you don't like at that time because you don't know how you'll be thinking 10 years from now. If you're not open-minded, you'll never find yourself. It's really important to learn all the rules and then break them, not just break them off the bat. Learn, hear what's out there, and then come up with your own conclusions. And it's important to be opinionated. If you're not opinionated, you probably won't be a great artist. In a healthy way, of course. If there's rationale behind it, at least in your mind. Yeah. Great. Because it means that you've thought hard about something, usually. If you're opinionated about it, you've spent time mulling it over. You've gotten to know it. If you don't have strong feelings when you're 
playing or listening to music, you don't have a strong voice then, or a unique voice, or a developed voice. At least you need to. You have to find that balance, right? Between, well, is it just because I don't know it that well, or I haven't found what I love about it yet? So that you need that open mind, sort of alongside being able to make your own mind up once you've absolutely gotten enough experience. And the artists that I love, I've come to understand their voice and where where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. And there's certain players like Scott Tennant, like Anelio Desiderio, like Tillman Hopstock, Bill Kanegeiser, and a ton of others. I have very unique voices, and I know for a certain piece I'll prefer this guitarist, and for another piece I'll prefer this guitarist. And, and the idea is, I know they all feel strongly about their own interpretations, and it would differ between all of them. Okay, so we're going to hear the first two of the Dry Tentos, which are titled Tranquilamente and Allegro Rubato from Hans Werner Henza. And then we're going to hear Nagoya guitars from Steve Reich. So the Dry Tentos are more or less atonal, so just keep that open mind. And then in general, minimalism is characterized by lots of repeated notes or repeating short melodies which then slowly incorporates small changes. And usually over time, the melody becomes almost unrecognizable from its original state. And you might find that you aren't sure how we got from there to where we are now. To my ears, it creates waves of sound or color or texture that tend to change in a very organic way. In Nagoya guitars, one guitar lays down a sort of grooving, rhythmic and melodic pattern and the other guitar enters by playing fragments of another melody, and eventually the two instruments begin to imitate each other. And with me at least, I eventually give up trying to find a melody that's singable or that I can really focus on, and end up just relaxing into the textures and the colors that sort of flow by.
And what's this new technique book you're doing? The new book is called Classical Guitar Chops, and it's called Classical Guitar Chops Essential Licks and Exercises to Maximize Your Technique. Nice uh -huh. long title there. <laughs> nice long subtitle, I should say. I took excerpts from the canon of traditional classical guitar repertoire and found some of the more virtuosic excerpts that emphasize different techniques and uh -huh. using that as exercises to practice. And the idea is instead of going through these entire pieces, which most people wouldn't be able to do, you've got a focus section where you could focus on scales or... Right. And then when it's time to learn that piece, and it's gonna be time at some point or another, right? Because the, every guitar player has to learn it, most of these pieces. And the idea is it would be hopefully more of a fun book to go through to practice technique, where you're actually doing um, interesting harmonies and melodies and rhythms along with the, the technique. It's meant for intermediate to advanced players, mm -hmm. but more so to the intermediate player. And what, which pieces? What are some of the pieces? Recuerdos is on there. We, I have Barrios Las Abejas. The whole first page. The whole first page. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not all, the idea is not to choose the hardest passages possible and make you suffer through them. So that Eat. one's a real mix of like... Arpeggio scales, scales and yeah. send some slurs. Yeah. We've got Giuliani, I've got a, a numerous excerpts from the Grand Overture. Um, there's Bach, there's Paganini, his uh, 24th Caprice, huh? which has some nice stretching and large shifting aspects to it. So I last heard Classical Guitar Chops will be out by 2015. And Evan's going to tell us where we can find it. On my website, Amazon.com, it'll be published through Helena, so pretty much right. anywhere. Cool. Yeah. And uh, what's your website? My website's theguitarist.net. Yeah, genius. <laughs> well, it's tough to tell people to go to evanherschelman.com. Yeah, right? So the guitarist that So, nice. yeah. <laughs> We're going to end today's show with one more set of Evan's pieces. But before I let you go, let me just say thanks for listening to All Strings Considered. I'm your host, Scott Wolf. All Strings Considered is brought to you in part by Guitar Salon International, the world's largest selection of fine classical and flamenco guitars and accessories. It's been my pleasure to introduce you to Evan Herschelman. You can get his CD and the scores to just about every piece you heard today at his website, which is theguitarist.net. While you're at it, don't forget to like the show on Facebook and follow on Twitter at All Strings. If you're really feeling generous, head over to iTunes and rate the show and maybe even write a review. People have said some really lovely things about the show there, so if you've already written or rated, thank you. You make all the work required for each show so much more worth it. Okay. Evan was kind enough to give All Strings Considered an exclusive live recording of these three excerpts from his work titled Meditation. Here's Evan to introduce them. I wrote this piece, Three Meditations, which was commissioned by Xu Fei Yang for her CD CG. And that was a lot of fun because I, it was my first time listening to Chinese pipa music. You'll hear Chinese influences along with my background of classical and rock and other styles mixed mm -hmm. together and I think it works quite well. The first two movements are more textural things leading up to the the chunk which is the third movement. Oh. A similarity you hear in people playing compared to classical guitar is the tremolo technique. The, the first movement sounds very people-like. The timbre is very thin and there's quick triplets happening up and down the neck. The second movement is more lyrical and then the third movement takes aspects from the first two, along with more interesting rhythms. And it's a real fusion of my own style with the Chinese harmonies and characteristics of the playing style.